Alright, we'll take your Bibles today and go to 2 Corinthians for, I don't know, a month or two now. I've been all excited and I've been telling you all that I'm going to preach a series of messages on separation. And I told you, I've been talking about that, I've been excited about it. And, but you know, one of the things that I try to do is I try to make sure, you know, everything we teach here is biblical. And I really wanted to make sure, because when you talk about separation is a touchy subject in a lot of churches, and you all are a blessing. Y'all don't give me grief, you know, as long as I show it to you from the Bible. Uh, y'all are good sports about it, even if it's not popular subjects. But separation is one where, well, a lot of preachers are afraid to touch on it because uh, it hits too close to home. And so, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure, but we're going to just show you what the Bible has to say about it. But here's the thing when I started studying this, I noticed something I never noticed before. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to separation and what all goes with it, still, I still believe in the teachings that go along with separation. But I believe we have been calling it the wrong thing. And I'm not trying to be nitpicky or anything here, but I think we've been calling it the wrong thing. And so this morning I'm going to preach on what it means to be separate. But as far as this series of messages goes, we are not going to call it a series on separation. That should not be what it's called. And we're going to have to think of a new name for it. And I'm working on that. But and I, and I think you all will understand what I'm talking about when uh, by the end of this message. So, Second Corinthians chapter six. And listen, I don't, I don't try to be different. I'm not trying to be different on purpose. I'm not trying to be contrary to to the mainstream. It's just, you know, I just try to be honest to what the Bible says. And sometimes uh, it just it doesn't go with the mainstream. And so uh, we're gonna let the Bible guide us, though. But Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen says, "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, and what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them." And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So right there we see the key verses in verse 17 which says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And kind of what's always been taught a lot about separation is basically, you know, it's been taught that separation is, you know, being different from the world, not being like the world. And I've always, I've made this comment before that you can be saved and not separated. Okay? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians who are saved people, but they're an awful lot like the world, therefore they are not separated. But you know, I believe that's wrong. I believe what it means to be separate means to be saved. If you are saved today, you're separate. Now that's not what normally gets taught here in this or taught here in this passage, but I think as we look closer, you're going to see that that's exactly what it means. So many people believe that being separated means not being conformed to the world. We don't want to be conformed to the world. 
or it means not acting like the world or looking like the world. But if that's true, then this passage of Scripture really is saying that our salvation is conditional based on our way of life. For example, look at what it says after that. You know, we're uh, verse eighteen, and I or verse seventeen. Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Notice here in this passage, it's clear that if we're gonna, if He's going to be our Father, if we're going to be His sons and His daughters, then we have to come out from among them and be separate. Okay, so if separation is not being conformed to the world, if separation is you know looking different and and acting different and all those other things, then it kind of looks like our salvation is based off of works a little bit, doesn't it? It really does in that passage. So what is it saying? Because the truth is, we are commanded to be different from the world in our actions and activities. Verse fourteen clearly says. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? It clearly says you know, we're supposed to be different from the world, but being different than the world is not what makes us separate. Now, that's not what makes us separated. There are many people who are saved who unfortunately, don't act that much different than the world. And I, I, that's just the case. It's not the way it should be, but it's the way it is. But us not acting like the world does not make us saved or separate. Otherwise, salvation would be by the works of the law. Go to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at a lot of Scriptures today. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ Christ had been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. I want to stop there for a minute. Notice that cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things. Now, I don't care how separated you think you are. Hopefully, you're not so you know, pious that you think you are obeying every single bit of the Old Testament law. And if you are under the law, if your salvation is conditioned on the law, you have to be doing every single one of those Old Testament laws. And nobody's doing that. And that's why the Bible says, cursed is everyone that continueth not. You're cursed. You're on your way to hell if you're under the law. But thank God, we're not under the law. We're of faith. Okay? We receive the blessing of Abraham. We're blessed with faithful Abraham 
who believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then verse 11, but no man that is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the, the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We believe that we are not saved by works, that we are saved by grace through faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if it's about the works of the law, then we are cursed. We are still lost. We are right there with the world. You might be a little better than the world. You might be keeping more laws than the world's keeping, but you're right there with them. You're on your way to hell. And if that's you, I don't care how religious somebody is. I don't care how many of those laws they've kept. If they're still lacking in one law, if there's one law that you haven't been keeping, you're right there with the rest of the world. You're not separate from them. You're right there with them. You are lost and you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And if you die, you're going to go to hell. And if you want to go to heaven, you need to come out from among them and be separate. We want to be separate from them. We don't want to be with them. We want to be with Abraham. We want to be blessed with Abraham. Those that be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham and so now we're uh, and so now we're going to start getting seeing what this passage is talking about in Second Corinthians because it's very clear who this is it, um, this passage in Second Corinthians it actually goes back and it's quoting several Old Testament scriptures that were speaking to somebody very specific and so I want to go back to Second Corinthians chapter six this call to separation is a call to salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. I want you to look at I want you to look at it again. And we're going to see something here that I think will start making it clear to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. Call to salvation right there. How do I know that? How do we know that? What's this talking about though? We'll go back one verse before. And it says in verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And then notice what it says here, as God hath said, as God hath said, this rest of this passage here is referring to something that God said in the Old Testament. It's comparing it to something God said in the Old Testament. Something He taught them in the Old Testament. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be My people. Wherefore, come out from among them be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be My sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What verses are he, is He talking about there? We'll go to Exodus chapter 29 and verse 43. I've got a lot of passages we're going to look at. If you want to follow along, go ahead. I'm going to go through them fast though. Exodus 29 verse 43 it says, "...and there I will meet with the children of Israel." And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. And the altar I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. Notice the tabernacle that's there. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. When God sanctified the tabernacle... He was going to dwell among them. He was going to be their God after that. I believe that that's one of the passages. Paul's not really referring to any specific passage. He's just saying, as God hath said, 
This is just like God had said many times. I believe He's referring to many Old Testament Scriptures. And go to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 11. It says, And I will set My tabernacle among you, and My soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be My people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and have made you... Go upright. So right there we see very familiar words just like we see in 2 Corinthians. And then Ezekiel chapter 37, My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God and they shall be My people. And the heathen shall know that I the Lord do sanctify Israel when My sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Notice how in all these passages he's talking about his tabernacle. When his tabernacle is with them, he will be their God. He will walk among them. He will be their people. And notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, it's talking to saved. It says, For ye are the temple of God. It says, For ye are the temple of the living God. So if the temple of God, if we are the temple of the living God, then where does God dwell? Well, God dwells with us, right? He dwells inside of us. He is our God. He is our Father. Just like, and He's using a comparison, just like God said back then. That when my temple's among you, I'll sanctify you and I will be your God. And that call to separate, and God had chosen Israel, God had chosen them specifically out of all the world for them to be His people. They were, uh, they were to be a separate people. God often said the same thing to them, that they were supposed to be a holy people. You know, God told Aaron's sons they were to teach His people the difference between the holy and profane, cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. They were a special people. They were a special group that were chosen by God to be separate. And when we got saved, we became a chosen people. We became blessed with faithful Abraham. We are the cho- we are the chosen people now, and God cho- God separated us when He saved us. We are now separate from the world, even though we are still sinners. We now have Jesus Christ dwelling among us, and really, that's what makes us different, isn't it? I mean, as far as what really matters, what really makes a difference, it's. We have the Holy Spirit now dwelling in us, and they don't. Listen, I know I know some people that make no claim to Christianity at all that are nicer, better, more moral people than a lot of Christians I know. I mean, they are. I mean, as far as we would go, I was like, man, these people they make great Baptists. I mean, I just wish they believed in Christ because these are good people. I mean, they would get be accepted in just about any church because I mean they are good, clean, moral people. But what makes them different? What makes you separated? Is you've got to be saved. You have to have Jesus Christ dwelling inside you, just like He dwelled among the children of Israel in that tabernacle. He now dwells in this tabernacle that we have. And we are we are special people. We are a chosen people. We are separate people. And that call to separation, I believe, is a call to salvation. You see, the works of the law have never saved anyone. Go to Romans chapter three in verse twenty three, and I think we're going to see more proof. Because the term separate, it's not used a lot in the Bible, especially in the context that it's used in. It's not a word really. The terms, the you know, the whole teaching on separation, doctrine of separation, they use that word only because of Second Corinthians chapter six. And while what gets taught with separation is still true, they pick the wrong word to use for it because Second Corinthians chapter six, I do not believe, is talking about 
being different than the world. I believe it's talking about being saved. Because see, the works of the law never saved anybody. Romans 3.23, we all know this verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Why or where is boasting then? It is excluded by the law of works, nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not of the, also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. It's right here. I mean, we see in this passage the works of the law never saved anybody. Boasting, where is it? It's excluded. Nobody can brag about being saved. Nobody can brag on that. It's all about His righteousness. It's Him. It's God that justifies us. It's God that does all that. And our faith in Jesus Christ, it says here in the last verse that we establish the law. See, our faith in Jesus Christ, it proves that the law is perfect and that we believe it is true. Because the law proves that we're all sinners and our only hope is through Jesus Christ. That's how we establish the law. That's why we still teach the law. That's why we still read it because we're basically we're proving and we're showing people that you do need to be saved. If salvation means we throw the Old Testament law out, that would make no sense. Then why do we even need to be saved? See, the reason we need to be saved is because the Old Testament law is perfect. And it is what you would have to do to go to heaven on your own works. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what we're basically saying is, you know what? The law is right. I do deserve to go to hell. I am a sinner. And thank God Jesus Christ, though, paid for those sins on the cross. And my faith and trust is in Him. My faith and trust is in His payment. And the Bible says that if we'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be saved. I mean, it mentions it in that passage um, right there in Romans 3 that it's Jesus Christ. He's the, one that, he's the one that did it all. All glory goes to Him when it comes to salvation. It has nothing to do with us. It's Him that saved us. And it's Him that separated us. And so those works of the law now, even though we're saved, we still should try to keep the law. We still ought to try to do right. Why? Because we believe it's sin. We believe it's wrong. Okay, if you really believe something's wrong, you're hopefully you're not going to keep on doing it. Now we do slip up, you know, we do mess up. We are flesh and we fail all the time, but we still hey, we're still going to teach thou shalt not kill. We're still going to teach thou shalt not steal. Just because Jesus Christ paid for all those sins and just because they're all under the blood doesn't mean that we go around, you know, breaking the law. If we really believe that it's wrong, hopefully we're not going to do it. If we really believe that Jesus had to pay for those sins, hopefully we're not going to keep on sinning on purpose and willfully going against what God has told us to do. And salvation, 
Once again, the works of the law, they never saved anybody. And much of what we teach in separation is about the works of the law that we should be keeping, by the way. But that's not what makes us separate. We were separate when Jesus Christ came inside of us and He saved us. Because while we might... There's a lot of Christians out there that while they've done a good job at making sure they look different than the world... Well, they're still sinners. Okay? I mean, let's just be honest. The Amish are more separated than we are as far as their clothing goes. They look a lot different. They stand out a lot more than we do. But here's the thing. In the eyes of God, okay, who can see all, He sees through the clothing. He sees the heart. What is it that He really looks at and what is it He looks for? Hey, He looks for... He already sees that we're all sinners. So He's looking for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who realize that they're a sinner and those who have called on the Lord for salvation. And that's what makes the difference. That's what makes us separate. And while there, He's not fooled by that. Okay, You're not going to fool God by if you show up and you're all dressed up and you got your hair combed just right and you're wearing all the right clothes, God's not going to look at you and think, oh man, he obviously he's obviously saved. When the rapture comes, God's not going to be looking at those and say, "All right, that one looks like a Christian. I think they're safe to take, and that one doesn't. Well, let's leave them." God, no, he doesn't look at that, does he? That's not what he sees. What what makes us separate is is his Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And let me tell you, those those works, those outward things, they are important. We're going to talk about those in the next week. But they're not what makes us separate. What makes us separate is our salvation. If you're saved, you are and you always will be separate. Go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. I love this verse here. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. I love that. Because you know one of the things we like to do sometimes is we'll get to looking at other Christians and other believers and we'll get to looking at the works of the law where maybe they failed. The works of the law that they haven't kept. And we'll say, you know what? They must not be saved. That person can't be saved. There's no way God's letting them into heaven. Look what they've done. You know, look at that, look at that sin that they've committed. There's no way that they're not saved. But what does the Bible say? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. If they're really a part of the elect, if they're really saved, okay, it's God that justifies them. It's not ourselves. Okay, just because somebody gets, you know, some people they get their act together quick after they get saved. Others, it takes a long time. Some don't ever really get their act together. And as a result of them not getting their act together, they never win anybody to Christ. They never accomplish anything for God. They're not going to have any rewards when they stand before God on Judgment Day. And let me tell you, you know, you don't, you know, the goal for us shouldn't be just getting to heaven, alright? Hopefully we want to get to heaven and get some rewards while we're there. Hopefully while you're here on earth, you'll want to please God. But when it comes to salvation, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. You're not justified just because you show up to church on a regular basis. You're not justified just because you know you give your tithes and offerings and you look the part and you act the part. It's God that justifies. He gets when it comes to our salvation, he gets all the credit. And then let's read on. Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? 
It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's pleading our cause in heaven. He's making intercession for us. Okay? You know what that means? That means when you and I do something that doesn't look like something a Christian should do, which we've all done before, it's Christ that makes intercession for us. The devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's up there and he's constantly accusing us before God and saying, you know, look, they broke this law, they broke that law, and Jesus Christ makes intercession. Lord, you know, God, I paid for their sins when I died on the cross. Lord, I paid for that. Lord, they, I, I, uh, they have accepted me as their Savior. They called on me for salvation. And he's doing that for all of us. And while we like to sometimes point fingers and make, you know, say that person can't be saved because of this or that, we're acting just like the devil. Because he's doing the same thing, and Jesus Christ is up there making intercession for us, just like he is for them. If you're saved today, Jesus Christ has to make intercession for you, because even though you're saved, you didn't deserve to get saved, and you don't deserve to stay saved. You still deserve to go to hell, but Jesus Christ makes intercession for us. And thank God for that. Verse thirty, And then verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God if you are saved today, you will be saved when you die. Not because of your works, but because of Jesus Christ. Because of His work. It's amazing. You know, We all know that you don't get saved by works, but a lot of people think it's like you have to do works to stay saved. And the truth is, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We have been separated to Christ, and if you're saved today, you are separate. You are separated to Jesus Christ. Something would have to be stronger than God for us to be separated from Him. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. So we see here, if you're saved, nothing can take you from the Father. You're His. Nothing can take you. Something would have to be stronger than God. The devil obviously is not stronger than God. We obviously are not stronger than God. There's a lot of people out there who believe that you know, you know, they're they're known as the Arminian people. You got the Calvinists who believe God picks who gets saved, and if you don't believe that, they automatically say you're Arminian, uh, and that means you know you believe in free will. We believe in free will, but Arminians believe that just like you have the ability to choose to get saved you can choose to walk away from it too. And I don't believe that one bit. Once you get saved, you're saved forever. And it's God that saved you, Jesus Christ that saved you, and it's Jesus Christ that keeps you saved. I hope you go to church for the rest of your life. I hope you live like a good Christian for the rest of your life. But those things aren't what keep you saved. It's Jesus Christ. 
that keeps you saved. And we've got to remember that. We've got to make sure we're giving Him the credit for it. But the challenge in this passage is not in 2 Corinthians, it's not to be separated, but the challenge is not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because let's go back and look at it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? They don't go together. And what communion hath light with darkness? They don't go together. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Notice all these are opposites. Just like saved and lost are opposite. They don't go together. You can't be both. Alright? You can't be both. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? They don't go together. And then he says, For ye are the temple of God. And then he goes, As God hath said. And then that separation, he's going back to the Old Testament and using Old Testament passages, there's a lot more we could look at where God said very similar things to the children of Israel. God separated them. And when we got saved, God separates us. We are separated then. And the challenge here is to not be unequally yoked. Okay? Not to be... that. And that doesn't sound like a great title for a series. The Don't Be Unequally Yoked series. <laughs> but it's... I guess it's a more accurate, uh, you know, it's more accurate as far as the uh, phrasing and everything goes. But to be not to be unequally yoked simply means to put ourselves in a compromising position or situation with someone who's working against God, which will make it very difficult for us to do the things that we're supposed to do for God. Okay, when you think of a yoke, you think about you know a yoke of oxen. Okay, they'll yoke two of those things together, and they will pull that cart or that plow. They're doing a work. They're trying to accomplish something, right? And if we are a believer and we're yoked with an unbeliever, we're working towards two completely different things, aren't we? And if we're working towards two... It's going to be hard for us to do what we're supposed to do when we are yoked with an unbeliever. For example, I think a good, uh, great example of being unequally yoked is a saved person marrying a lost person. That's not going to work real well. If you're saved, you know, and or you know, and you marry somebody that's an atheist, okay, y'all are going to be struggling every Sunday, aren't you? Y'all are going to be struggling raising your kids. Okay, maybe he's an atheist. He doesn't believe there is any God. He wants to teach his kids that they came from monkeys. But she's a believer. She believes there is a God. She wants to teach a God-created man on the sixth day. She wants to teach those things. There's going to be some conflict in that household, isn't there? I mean, they're going to be a tough time. You know, they ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. That one's going to be tough when you've got one of the parents that doesn't want to serve the Lord, that wants to do something completely different. It's going to be hard for you to do the things that you're supposed to do. And sometimes Christians... We allow things in our lives that make it very difficult for us to be a good Christian. That make it very difficult for us to do the type of work that we're supposed to do. There are things that we do that make it very difficult for us to be an ambassador for Christ. And I want you to look. So this passage here in 2 Corinthians 6, just one more passage I want us to look at. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
or just one chapter before. We're going to see what it was talking about before it gets to this part here because so this, while I believe separation means we're saved, what's being taught about separation today, I'm 100% for it. I just think we're definitely using the wrong term. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Notice that? How we're ambassadors for Christ. Okay? And then look at chapter 6. We then, as workers together with Him, okay, we're working with Christ, right? We're supposed to be yoked with Him. We're working for His cause, for His purpose. We then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For He has said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distress in strikes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known as dying, and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Notice all these, what we are, it's saying this is what you're supposed to be. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are working with Him. Why? Because you're His. Just like God separated the children of Israel for Himself, He has separated us to Himself. His temple, we are the temple of God. And therefore, we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because we are ambassadors for Christ. So we need to make sure we're working for the same thing that God is working for. And you know what? There's a lot of junk out there that's going on in the world that is against God. That violates the law of God that violates the teaching of God. And we're supposed to be letting our light shine. We're supposed to be proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are the ambassadors to do that. God is not here on this earth to tell everyone and to show everyone and to set the example. He has called us to do that. And if we are unequally yoked with unbelievers, if we're acting like the unbelievers, if we're looking like the unbelievers, if we're doing the same things they're doing, we're going to be very poor ambassadors. For Christ, and so we definitely are. We're going to continue this discussion on how we can be unequally yoked and on being ambassadors for Christ. But as far as separation goes, 
We're not going to call it that because if you're saved today, you're separate. Right? Because you are the temple of the living God. Just like He said to them in Israel. And when you got saved, He became a Father to you. We are His sons and daughters. He has received us. For him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. When you call the Lord for salvation, He wasn't going to turn you away. He saved you and He separated you to Himself and nothing can separate us from God. And thank God for that. You acting like a worldly person, you acting like a lost person, while it will make you a poor ambassador for Christ, it will not separate you from Christ. You are His and He's not letting us go anywhere. And I thank God for that because while... I have no plans on trying to lose my salvation or anything. You know, I still sin. And I'm glad I don't lose my salvation every time I sin. And because if I if that was the case, I think I'd want to get saved and commit suicide, but then I would be sinning committing suicide and then I'm going to hell anyway. I mean we're we're in big trouble. We're either way, either way we can't win. Maybe if you jumped out of an airplane, you can confess the sin of suicide before it actually got carried out. <laughs> it, that's not what it's all about. Thank God for that. And so, with that, let's all stand together.